No rest for the weary. And that's how I like it. Gives me plenty to talk about. I love content. And I love being able to come on air and talk at you every weekday from 4 to 5 right here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. It is the Sports Pen. Glad to have you along this Tuesday afternoon. A lot to get to today. We have the Symmetra Tour coming back to the UP. We're going to break that down and hear from a couple of key cogs regarding that event. Plus, Michigan, one win away from getting to the College World Series championship. We have a special feature we're debuting here on ESPN-UP. Plus, we're going to play 5-in, 5-out. If you haven't played it, play with me here in the next segment. All that more is coming up over the course of the next hour, but as promised, we are going to start on the links. The Symmetra Tour is coming to Harris. They will tee it off this weekend. If you're unfamiliar with Symmetra, it is a feeder system for the LPGA, basically the minor league system for the Ladies Professional Golf Association. The top 10 finishers each year get full LPGA status. So I sat down with a couple of people who made this thing possible. First and foremost, Casey Danielson, a Stanford alum. She's from Wisconsin, so it's a little bit of a homecoming for her. I gathered her thoughts on competing in her own backyard. I feel like a local here. Um, there aren't uh, a lot of golf tournaments close to, to where I live um, and so um, just being five hours away over in Osceola, Wisconsin, um, you know, it, it feels like, you know, like I'm a local here and, and I'm uh, thankful for that. And with that pseudo homecoming, it's almost like a home field advantage for Casey as she takes the green on Saturday. Yeah, I definitely do feel a lot more comfortable on, on courses in the Midwest and, um, you know, being able to drive to an event and have it, you know, and relatively close to home is is um, definitely comforting. Uh, and then the way the golf course is set up too, um, with like a little bit of like a link style with, but then also with trees and um, it definitely does feel like, you know, a home, like it feels like a home course to me. Casey then spoke as to how courses in the Midwest play differently than others across the country. Yeah, I, I do think that um, uh, courses across the country do play differently and you kind of have to adjust accordingly. Uh, you know, in the south you've got your Bermuda grass, it might be a little bit more firm, um, there might be a little bit more water, uh, and then you come up to the, to the Midwest and, um, you know, the greens might be a little bit more receptive. Um, it's a little bit probably more flat than let's just say California where you know you've got a, a little bit more um, elevation change um, and so uh, for me the Midwest I love playing in the Midwest because it just feels like home. This is a special tournament for Casey but it's just one of many that's been filling up her year as she tries to accomplish her dream of making the LPGA tour. We've had eight events so far and uh, I've, um, it's been, you know, kind of a roller coaster for me. I've had two, um, two good top five finishes. I've had a fifth place and a third place. Um, so feeling pretty good about those. Um, and, but excited to be back, um, headed back here to the UP. I mean, this, this tournament uh, means a lot to me. Um, got a sponsor's invite last year and uh, played well. Uh, so was able to get uh, reshuffled into the rest of the season, um, the Symmetra Tour season um, last year. And so um, being familiar on this course in, in this area, um, really excited um, to be playing an event close to home. And having grown up just down the highway and across the Wisconsin border, Casey's going to have plenty of familiar faces in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I hope my, my parents and some family um, come over and I think, you know, I'm sure my neighbors will make an appearance and uh, maybe my grandma and so, um, you know, it, it means a lot. I said at the top of the show, no rest for the weary. Well, that goes for Casey as well. Not a lot of time to enjoy the beautiful UP. The days leading up to the tournament have been hit with a heavy dose of preparation. But we're, I'm actually going out there today to play, so I'm excited to see the course. I talked to Casey about what expectations she has for herself, where she wants to see herself grow from a fundamental standpoint this weekend. You know, I'm just getting used to life on tour and, um, you know, playing. This is my first full season on, on the Symmetra Tour. And so um, I'm just getting used to, you know, playing, you know, most every week and um, traveling from an event to one event to another. And so um, for me, I'm just learning um, how to travel on tour, how to be on tour, um, how to get better every week and how to stay competitive. Um, and so that's been um, a learning experience for me this year. And um, I'd, I'd like to figure out, um, you know, how I play, how I play my best 
Uh, and so, yeah, continuing to learn, learn that. Well, there's a lot of reasons for someone to want to go to Stanford, but I talked to Casey about what made the Cardinal the right decision for her. Yeah, I think um, I, you know, obviously the academics um, and getting the chance to go to Stanford, um, you know, was was really incredible. Um, and on top of that, um, you know, they've got we've got a great golf program um, at Stanford, uh, and I was just really, really fortunate to be a part of that. Um, the 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 program really grew while I was there, so it was really fun to to watch it, and um, we ended up you know, winning the national championship when I was a sophomore, and I just had an incredible experience on the team. Um, I loved my coaches and my teammates, and um, uh, yeah, it was just, it was awesome, um, you know, being on a team, being able to get better and, and have um, my peers um, along there with me. I asked Casey if there was one tournament that's always going to be special to her, something that she's never going to forget. Um, well, definitely winning the national championship. Um, nothing really can, I don't think, can top that. Um, being, you know, with with my team and and um, and winning it there, it, it definitely um, definitely meant a lot to me. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't know if anything could beat that. Casey talked about her favorite course to play on, her favorite type of course, what she likes specifically on the green. Um, I haven't played a tournament there, but Cypress Point, I've I've got to play being out in California, um, and that's with all those views. It's definitely, definitely the most scenic and probably my favorite favorite golf course. I wanted to know where Casey wants to take her game. Where can she excel and get to the next level? Yeah, so my goal at the end of the season is to make the top ten on the money list on this metro. Um, so then uh, the following year in 2020, um, I'd have full status on the LPGA um, and be able to, you know, compete against, you know, the best in the world and, and see where my game stacks up there. I wanted to get Casey's thoughts on the Symmetra Tour and how it relates to the LPGA. Here she is talking about it in her own words. Yeah, so Symmetra Tour is what they, they say. It's the road to the LPGA. Uh, it is the tour that's kind of um, underneath, um, in a way, underneath the LPGA. And so the, it's um, if players play well on the Symmetra Tour, um, meaning they get in the top 10 by the end of the year, um, they get full status on the LPGA. Um, and um, so it, it kind of helps players, it helps develop players, helps players be ready to play on the LPGA and then also get an opportunity to get gain status on the LPGA. You can catch Casey this weekend. She will be part of the Symmetra Tour this weekend down in Harris. I tell you what, I also had the chance to sit down with Tim Kramer, one of the executive directors of the Symmetra Tour. He talked about the UP's role in making dreams come true. Yeah, so, well, it starts with the golf course and, and the uh, casino here, the hospitality that they provide and the support that they offer our girls. But uh, the golf course is phenomenal. Uh, it's one of the better golf courses that we play. Uh, we know in June that it's always going to be in great condition. Um, and so for us, uh, you know, UP is, the UP is, is a place that we look forward to every year. Um, a lot of players will mark it on their calendars that it's a kind of a must-go-to event. There's a few events on our tour that maybe aren't a must-go-to events, but this is definitely one of them. And, uh, you know, it's even for the players that are rookies out here this year that haven't played, uh, they already know about this event and are already excited about coming up here and competing. Tim's fairly new to the Symmetra Tour. He's been with them for two years, but I wanted to get his thoughts on how it relates to the LPGA. Yeah, so the Symmetra Tour is 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 basically an affiliate of the LPGA Tour. We're we're uh, housed in the same building and uh, and a part of the same organization. Uh, the top ten players on our tour will automatically qualify to the LPGA Tour the following year. Uh, so that connection exists uh, exists there. But uh, but yeah, we're we're a key part of the LPGA Tour from a developmental standpoint. So for us, we're, we're really trying to teach players and provide players the opportunity to, to learn how to be professionals uh, and how to play in pro-ams and how to interact at uh, pro-am parties and how to connect with volunteers and just how to manage your travel uh, on a yearly basis because the better that we do that, the better success they're going to have on the LPGA Tour. 
Oftentimes, feeder leagues, independent leagues, what have you, struggle to stay alive. But that's not been the case with Symmetra, according to Tim. They've been able to grow and thrive. Yeah, so this year we're at uh, 24 events. Uh, we're going to be competing for a little over $4 million in prize money. So to put that in perspective, uh, back in 2013, uh, we had 13 events playing for a little over $1.5 million in prize money. So really in six years, we've made significant strides in not only the number of events that we're putting out on an annual basis, but the amount of money that the players are playing for, uh, which is, at the end of the day, the most important thing for us is to, to really provide players the opportunity to sustain themselves for at least a year, two years, make enough money to cover expenses to, to chase their dream. Well, the Upper Peninsula is no stranger to the Symmetra Tour, but I wanted to hear the origin story. Tim spoke as to how Harris became an annual spot. I believe that uh, you know our, our, our previous administration at the Symmetra, stat, at the Symmetra Tour and uh, the folks here at the Island Resort had connected at another uh, event on our schedule, and they kind of ex the, the folks here kind of experienced what the uh, Symmetra Tour was all about, and, and really huge advocates of, of obviously golf, uh, but really of, uh, of women's golf. And uh, they decided, man, we'd love to bring the Symmetra Tour up here to the UP. And so, um, you know, we came up here and experienced it and, and saw the golf course and, and you know, the, the championship quality golf course that it, that it was. And then, obviously, the uh, casino and the hospitality and uh, the support that they were willing to put uh, towards the event. Casey Danielson and Tim Kramer once again with the Symmetra Tour. They are going to tee off this weekend in Harris. Go check them out. It's going to be a really fun experience. You get to meet the golfers. You're automatically entered to win a raffle just by getting a ticket. It's going to be a fun weekend down there in Harris. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, I'm going to play five in, five out. If you never played it, you can play along with me. Five NBA teams who did not make the playoffs this year who are going to be there next year and five who made it that won't next year. That's coming up next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. We're going to play 5 in, 5 out here in just a moment. But first, a new report says that Kawhi Leonard has his sights set on L.A. The Clippers, not the Lakers. Kawhi Leonard thinking about joining forces with the likes of Patrick Beverly and Doc Rivers. You're still in L.A., still in the Staples Center, plus you don't have to take a huge pay cut. Why would Kawhi Leonard go and join two other All-NBA players when he just won a title with no All-NBA players to help him? And he'd lose about $9 million doing so when he can just go across town to the Clippers, get paid the max, and still have about as good of a shot at winning a title. Tell you what, the Toronto Raptors had their championship parade yesterday. Did not go without incident, however. Four people were shot. Two were critically injured, although authorities say that the injuries are non-life-threatening. Three people have been arrested. That did not stop Drake, nor Kawhi Leonard, from making it a party. Kawhi doesn't talk a lot, but he's listening. He's listening to what we say. This is Kawhi yesterday at the Toronto Championship Parade. I just want to say thank y'all for walking me here. After the trade with open arms, man, it made my experience that much better. This group of guys let me do what I do on the floor. Coach Nick let me do what I do. And now we got a championship. Thank you. And like they said, enjoy this. Enjoy this moment. And have fun with it. Aha, ha, ha, ha. The laugh that made him famous, internationally famous. Not quite the one that we heard yesterday, but the fun guy laugh that we heard months ago. He knows that's his trademark, and he did indeed get the last laugh. Almost rivals Andrew Luck. <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's play this here in the sports pen. The game five in, five out. If you never played it, you never heard of it, let me go over the rules again. You pick five NBA teams. We're going to do NHL too. Five hockey and basketball teams who did make the playoffs this season that aren't going to next year, or they're at risk of not making it next year. And then five teams who missed out on the playoffs who have a good shot at being back. 
Let's start with the NBA. Here's my in list. Here are the five teams I think have the best shot at getting to the playoffs next year after missing out this season. The Lakers are a no-brainer. They're at the top of the list. Upgrading with Anthony Davis. They'll probably get one more superstar. It's not going to be Kawhi. It's not going to be Kemba. Not when they can get max deals elsewhere. Probably a guy like Jimmy Butler. Maybe Kyrie Irving. The Lakers got their man with Anthony Davis. They've got their man for the long term with Jason Kidd, who's going to be an assistant on Frank Vogel's staff this year. I'm still not ready to say the Lakers are going to be title contenders. They'll be up there. They'll be a good team. But I'm not ready to say that they are the NBA favorites. I still think they're one key piece away. So the Lakers are atop my list. Five in, five out. Secondly, on my in list, I have Charlotte. I think Charlotte's got a good shot at making some noise next year. I think they're going to re-sign Kemba. Kemba's already said he'll take the pay cut to stay in Charlotte. I don't totally get that move. Maybe it's because the city's embraced him so much. He could leave and he'd get a supermax about anywhere else. Yet, he would like to stay with Charlotte. He's a scoring machine. He's not necessarily efficient, but he's still an all-NBA talent. And having him is going to give Charlotte a chance to get into the postseason next year. Third on my list... I've got the New Orleans Pelicans. I think they have a real shot at turning things around and making the playoffs next year. They were 33-49 and 49 this season, but their front office turned over, and they are wheeling and dealing. They're going to get Zion Williamson here in a couple of days. They might even get Bradley Beal if they can flip him for that number four overall pick. Plus, you've got Drew Holiday. You've got some guys from the Lakers who can contribute. If they held on to Julius Randle, if they were able to re-sign him... And we're talking about a team that should be a lock for the playoffs. I can very easily see New Orleans putting together a playoff run next year. Fourth on the list. I'm a lot less confident here in four or five, but the game's called five in, five out. I gotta have enough. The Miami Heat. They are living life without Dwayne Wade. They've got a good young core that they're steadily bringing up. The Heat are a team that was on the verge of maybe making a run, just sneaking into the playoffs last year. Now that the Dwayne Wade farewell tour is over, they have a chance to focus on the young core. This could be the year that they get it done. They, they won't make a run for the Eastern Conference title, but they could sneak in. Lastly, I have the Sacramento Kings. They're a team that has consistently gotten better. They're not at the stage they want. They're far and away from it, but they have gotten better. It's been a slow rebuild, but they're getting there. What did Kevin Durant say after every game they played Sacramento last year? They played us tough. Sacramento wasn't a very good team this year, yet they were a really tough matchup for Golden State. They always gave them problems inexplicably. They've got some good young talent there, headlined by De'Aaron Fox. I'm not saying I'm going to pick the Kings to make the playoffs next year, but to round out my list of five, I believe they have a shot. So that's what I'm going with, my in list. The Lakers, the Hornets, the Pelicans, the Heat, and the Kings. I believe that all five of those teams have a real shot at making the playoffs next year after missing out this year. How about teams who did make it this year that are at risk of not doing so next year? Headlining my list of five out, I've got the Orlando Magic. Outside of Vujicic, there's not a lot of building blocks there. They didn't make many moves so far this offseason. I know we still got a long way to go, and this is all subject to change, particularly based on what happens in a couple of days when we have the NBA draft. But right now, the Magic aren't giving me a lot of reason to think they've gotten better, or they are going to get better. They're not linked to any major superstar, and they need it. Vujicic is fine if he's healthy, but he's still not that superstar that's going to carry your team all the way. I just don't see Orlando getting better this offseason, and they weren't a great team this year. They snuck in as a seven seed. Full disclosure, I have the Detroit Pistons on this list. I think there's a risk for them. I'm not saying they're going to miss out next year, because I do think they're going to get better this offseason. They're looking to make moves, and I think they will get better, but will it be enough with a highly competitive East? I see six locks in the Eastern Conference. So there's got to be some team that's at risk. And unless the Pistons not only continue to get better, not just get worse, they're going to have a hard time competing in the Eastern Conference, because there are a lot of East teams that could sneak up on them. There's a lot of Eastern teams that almost got them last year almost snuck up and took their spot. I do think that Detroit is going to make the playoffs next year. I think they're going to continue to make moves and get better this offseason, but they're at risk. Another team at risk, this one might be out there a little bit, the Utah Jazz. They won 50 games last year. They were a good team. They still are a good team. 
But Donovan Mitchell went through that sophomore slump. They didn't look good in the playoffs. They took a first-round exit. And unless Donovan Mitchell continues to elevate his game, not fall down or stay stagnant, where are the Jazz going? Who do they build around if Donovan Mitchell's never going to take that next step? Especially when the teams at the bottom and the midsection of the Western Conference are continuing to get better. I don't know where Utah is going to make moves this offseason. They are interested in Mike Conley. At last report, they are interested in Mike Conley. But is Mike Conley going to put you over the top and secure a spot in the playoffs for you? I don't think so. At least not the way their team is made up. Fourth on the list, the San Antonio Spurs. It was a trying year for them last year. Greg Popovich willed that team to a playoff berth. They did not have the talent that they've had in years past, and it's weird to think of the Spurs not being in the playoffs or perennial fixture. I mean, yeah, they have DeMar DeRozan. They've got some good players on that team, but he's no Tim Duncan, and he's no Kawhi Leonard. Fifth on the list, and this is way out there. I just wanted to throw it on there because I needed to round out five. I tell you what, the NBA certainly isn't known for its parity. This one's out there. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but I threw the Golden State Warriors on there. There's a risk. There's a risk. Because as we saw when they were without Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals, they looked bad. They looked really bad. Draymond Green is your number two option. I think they'll get into the postseason. I do. They're not going to have Klay Thompson for the regular season. Maybe he gets back to the playoffs, and that's why you could be confident that Golden State could make a run. They're not going to have Kevin Durant at all next year, whether they re-sign him or not. And the role players they have now just flat out aren't as good as they used to be. So is there a little bit of risk associated with Golden State? As good as the Western Conference is getting, yes. Because if they got to go through an entire regular season with Draymond Green as their number two, there's a small risk there. So that's who I have on my five out list, or at least five at risk. Orlando, Detroit, Utah, San Antonio, Golden State. Let's do the same thing for the NHL. Five in, five out. Five teams who did not make the playoffs last year that have a good shot at getting back there this coming season. Headlining my list, I've got the Philadelphia Flyers. As much as I may hate to say it, Philadelphia's got a shot at getting back there this season. They have got a great coaching staff in place. Three guys, I was talking about it with Ryan Stieg a few weeks ago, three guys who never really made it work themselves as head coaches. You've got... One, Alan Vigneault as the head coach, and a couple of assistants, Mike Yo and Lindy Ruff. They are a good young group. They added Matt Niskin in a couple of days ago. Carter Hart, he looked really, really good in goal. He was a lot of fun to watch. Keep an eye on Philadelphia. I can see them making the playoffs next year. I also have the Montreal Canadiens on that list. Montreal missed out on the playoffs by a couple of points. They were the last team eliminated. They're a tough team to play. Carey Price is always going to give you a chance to win. If that group stays healthy, they will have a shot at getting back to the postseason next year. I've also got the Minnesota Wild. I was surprised they didn't make it this year. They're giving Bruce Boudreaux one more chance. I tell you what, the Wild have talent. They were a good enough team this year. They should have been in the playoffs. They have a lot of talented skaters who played at the AHL level this year that are ready to make the jump up. They helped Iowa to a playoff berth. Minnesota should have been there this year, and they just weren't consistent enough. they got to string it together, and Devin Dubnik has to be better. When Dubnik is on, he's an all-star. When he's not on, it's ugly. And he's not on enough. He needs to be on every time he takes the ice, and Minnesota could be a favorite in the NHL. Fourth on my list, I've got the Arizona Coyotes. I was pulling so hard for them to make it this year, but Rick Tockett has steadily brought that team back to relevancy. They were dead last a couple of years ago. They started this last season so poorly, and then they made a run to get back into the playoff picture. Okay, I'm just a couple of points short. Arizona's continuing to be aggressive, continuing to add pieces. They just re-signed Anthony DeClaire. As a Penguins fan, I hated to see Rick Tockett go, but he was too good just to be an assistant all his life. And he is doing a tremendous job turning around a once laughable Arizona franchise. Next year could be the year. I still want to see them add one more key piece just to solidify themselves. But I would be surprised. I'll say it. I'd be surprised if Arizona doesn't make the Western Conference playoffs next year. And finally, I've got the Chicago Blackhawks. It's been a couple of years. 
I'm not confident that they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not expecting them to next year, but I do think they have a shot. In fact, I think they have the fifth best shot of any team who didn't make the playoffs this year. But still, their front office doesn't give me a lot of confidence that they're going to make the right moves necessary to win. They've got a lot of aging blue liners. They just made a terrible trade with Pittsburgh. Right now, I just don't have enough trust in their front office to be able to make the right moves to put them in a position to win. So those are my five teams in. The five teams that missed the playoffs this year that I believe have the best shot at getting back there this coming season. Philadelphia, Montreal, Minnesota, Arizona, and Chicago. How about my five out? Teams that made the playoffs this year, I'm not expecting to next season. Or at least are at risk of not making it next season. Everybody loved the tremendous run that the Columbus Blue Jackets put together. I don't think it's going to happen again next year. I don't see Columbus making the playoffs. I don't see them bolstering themselves this offseason. They're going to lose Artemi Panarin. I still think he'd be a great fit with Detroit. I'd like to see the Red Wings go after him. They may even lose Bobrovsky, their long-time, long-tenured goaltender. I don't know that Columbus has a vision of what they want to be right now. John Tortorella is a great head coach. They've got a lot of talented guys on their top lines. Their depth isn't great. And that's where they need to improve. That could easily be their downfall next season. I don't see Columbus making it back to the playoffs next year. And you know what? I don't see the Carolina Hurricanes doing so either. They snuck in last year. They got on a roll. They were the hot hand. But I don't know that they have the pieces or they're going to bring back the pieces necessary to do that again. It was a magical run. It was a storybook run for them. Very easy to cheer for them. But Peter Morazic, Curtis McElhaney, those two are only going to carry you so far. I'm just not seeing them riding that hot hand through the offseason into next year. Third on my list, I've got the Colorado Avalanche. They are in danger of not returning to the postseason next year. Playoff McKinnon is something special. Nathan McKinnon in the postseason is really fun. I don't know that he's going to get the chance to do it again, though. They might. They very well could get into the playoffs. I'm not saying that I expect them to miss, but teams in the Western Conference are getting better. Much like the Basketball Western Conference, teams in that mid-tier, they're getting better. I don't see Colorado getting better this offseason. I don't know where they're going to improve. Unless their front office does something unexpected, I see them stagnating, and teams are going to pass them. Fourth on my list, a team in a similar situation as the Chicago Blackhawks. They've got a lot of talent, but I don't trust their front office. That's the Winnipeg Jets. There is a risk that Winnipeg may not make the postseason next year. I had Winnipeg going to the conference finals this year. And then they get beat in the first round by the eventual champion Blues. Last night, Winnipeg traded away one of their best defensemen, Jacob Truba. They sent him to New York, as in the Rangers, for Neil Pionk. And I tell you what, I love Neil Pionk. Former Sioux City Musketeer, I spent three years with them, but he's no Jacob Truba. How much do I trust Paul Maurice as head coach? I trust him more than that front office. I don't see the front office bringing in the pieces that Winnipeg needs to win. They're obviously missing something. They always put together good regular seasons, and they never get it done in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In that sense, I see them in the same boat as the Avalanche. They're not going to get better this offseason. Teams are going to pass them. Lastly on my list... I debated, I'm a Penguins fan, I debated putting the Penguins on the list because they were at a little bit of risk of not making it this year, but they're gonna. Jim Rutherford wheels and deals as that team's general manager. They have, what, the longest active postseason streak in hockey? They'll make it. They might sneak in like they did this year and get swept out in the first round again, but they'll make it. Instead, I'm putting the Vegas Golden Knights in that fifth spot. I'm not expecting them to miss the playoffs. I think they will get back there, but there is a risk. Marc-Andre Fleury's getting up there. He's been injury-prone. He's been awesome since going to Vegas. But how much longer can he keep you afloat? I don't know if anyone can ever have as good of an offseason as Vegas did before they took the ice. George McPhee was awesome. Last year, not nearly as good. And I love Max Pacioretty, another former Sioux City Musketeer. Yet he's not what he used to be. He's not the same guy he was with Montreal. That move is akin to the Penguins bringing in Jack Johnson. Johnson was a defenseman for Team USA three years ago. Now I wouldn't be sad if the Penguins bought him out. They've got a lot of recognizable names on that Vegas team. Problem is, a lot of those guys are past their prime. Their best days are behind them. How much more can they get out of the guys on the current roster? 
They got to go younger. At some point, they got to go younger. And this could very well be the year that it bites them. That is my list of five out, five teams at risk of missing out on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Columbus, Carolina, Colorado, Winnipeg, and Vegas. I tell you what, let's take our next time out. When we come back, we're going to preview the Westwood girls' basketball season, a magical run to the state quarterfinals last year. They're already hitting the gym and putting on the miles. We're going to check in with them next. They're down in Petoskey. That's coming up on the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along here on ESPN-UP. Jared Koski is going to join me on the ESPN-UP phone line in just a moment. He's down in Petoskey with the Westwood girls basketball team. They are on the summer circuit. Summer basketball in full swing. But first, your Sports Center update. Celtics big man Al Horford has opted out of the final year of his contract, making him an unrestricted free agent. However, there is mutual interest in staying in Boston with a new deal. Padres third baseman Manny Machado has been suspended one game for aggressively arguing with an umpire. Machado is planning to appeal the suspension. And finally, a prank phone call to a Domino's Pizza in London has led to four large cheeseburger pizzas being delivered to Buckingham Palace. The store manager said that he believed the call was real because he thought Queen Elizabeth was a lifelong secret fan of Domino's and did not believe the call to be a prank. Guard stopped the delivery driver at the gate, radioed inside to make sure the Queen did not order a pizza. She indeed did not. That is your Sports Center update. Tanner Hoops with you once again. Glad to have you along. Jared Koski joins me from Petoskey. He's down there with the Westwood girls basketball team. They're off-season training in full swing. And Jared, you guys have been putting on the miles Green Bay a couple of days ago, and now Petoskey. Yeah, driving kids around and bringing them to different places to play ball. It's, uh, it's what summer is. Well, I tell you what, how the girls been looking? Yeah, I think it's a great time of the year to get everybody some minutes, see how they're feeling. They can fit in with the pace of the varsity game, and uh, coaches just kind of get everybody through and try to try to let the kids make some plays and play some ball on their own out there. With no seniors graduating, is it pretty much the same rotation, or are they trying a few new things out? Yeah, they they pretty similar to what they looked like during the basketball season last year, uh, rotation wise, but. Um, a lot more people coming in and out of the games a lot more often than you typically see during the during the season. Uh, you saw the bench grow a little bit as the season progressed last year. Are they going to be even deeper this season? Yeah, I think there's a couple extra couple extra players just physically here on the bench, and I think they're going to play a little different style. Maybe get some more kids in and out of there and uh, do a little bit more up and down the court kind of style. Well, tell me about the competition they have seen down there in Petoskey. Yeah, they've. Uh, they played a bunch of different games. Real good one against the Cadillac and team this morning, and uh, we got to see one of their old friends from the Upper Peninsula, Fred Bryant, Potter McKenna, from uh, formerly in Newberry and now as Cadillac. So it was kind of nice for them to check in with each other, former teammates for them from travel basketball. But uh, that was a good, really good test for the girls. And this morning, Grand Haven was uh, another big game. That team was a pretty team. Some fast, big athletes, and you got to learn how to deal with them. Well, when you look at the teams that Westwood could see as you get deeper into the tournament, you saw a few of those playoff teams from last year that are down there. Yeah, there were some couple of those teams down here, too. We haven't run into any of the ones we ran into during our run last year, but there's a couple of them here also. Well, tell me about this year's squad. Any differences in uh, any of the players' fundamental skill level as uh, you look at them now as compared to March? Yeah, you know, they, they've grown mature. It's funny because, uh, you know, they just, the, the ones that were freshmen last year are starting to look more comfortable in the game and starting to, uh, like they know what's going on and are, are being aggressive out there instead of just kind of going through the motions. Is there any specific aspect of the game that they're focusing on that they're really trying to amp up during this weekend? You know, I think they're they're trying to work on some of the basics and just you know doing the fundamental things right, boxing out and and, and talking on defense and then you know offensively, you know, letting people see what kind of basketball plays they can make and uh, how they can find ways to score by themselves. Well, tell me about some of the results and uh, how they fared against competition downstate. 
Yeah, they've, they've, um, they've won all of their games up to this point, but we're sitting here halfway through the first half of a game right now. We're out down 13-10 right now halfway through this first half, so they've been real good competitive games. Defensively, how's the team looking? Yeah, man to man, guard your girl, talk. They've been doing a lot of talk. It's not noisy in here like it is when you're at a regular season game, so... Yeah, you can hear the chatter and the talk going on on the court between the girls, and they've been uh, each other and calling for help and talking about things. Any shooting rust, anything in the last few months? How are they looking from behind the arc and the foul line? Yeah, I, I mean, there are kids that get in the gym a lot. So, uh, yeah, they didn't get in the gym as much during the spring sports season, but you can tell they've stayed in the gym because the shooting is there, and like it usually is, it's pretty perfect shooting. Talking Westwood girls basketball with Jared Koski here on ESPN-UP. The Patriots are down at Petoskey on the summer circuit. Jared, is there any different aspect to the team that you know, maybe we didn't see when we saw them last in March? Do they look any different since the last time we saw them? Yeah, just maybe a little bit more pressure on uh, the other teams bringing the ball up, a little bit more pressure and you know, trying to, trying to make other teams have to work a little bit more of the length of the court to get the ball up there. A little bit more like... Um, not full out on slot dressing, but, you know, pressuring people. Did the JV make the trip down there as well? Yeah, they have, but there's a couple different venues down here, so it's a little bit spread out, so they're, I haven't seen them play a lot. I know there's a good group of freshmen out to, to join the team, and, and uh, they've been playing hard from what I understand. Well, who are some of the players that are making the jump from JV to varsity that we could expect to hear about this season? Yeah, we have uh, we have Jenna Welton and Claire Gillis, who were both on the JV team last year, who are now going to be on the varsity team. And, and the rest is you, you get your roster back from last year, plus those two. Are there any other UP teams that made the trip down? We did see the Sioux here. We did not get a chance to play them, but they were also here, so... I know that they were one. I didn't see any other ones. So tell me about the rest of the plan for this summer. Any other of these events that you want to try and hit? Yeah, I think Corcoran has another team camp or two set up, and I, I just, um, I think he has one more in Gaylord, which is usually in the beginning of July, and then there's um, maybe something going on in St. Ignace. Jared Koski is my broadcast partner for Westwood Girls Basketball here on ESPN-UP. Jared, appreciate the time giving us an inside look at Westwood Girls Basketball this offseason. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, thanks for calling, Tanner. We'll talk to you soon. All right, let's pivot a little bit. Let's turn our attention to TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha. The College World Series continues on. And the Michigan Wolverines keep on rolling. They beat Florida State last night 2-0 once again, scoring in the first inning. And now the Wolverines are one win away from going to the College World Series Championship. Keep in mind, double elimination tournament until there are two teams left. Then it becomes a best of three series. Michigan one win away from winning their half of the double elimination bracket. We had our first elimination game yesterday. Texas Tech was able to squeak by Arkansas 5-4. to four. Now Texas Tech plays Florida State. That will be an elimination game. The winner will play Michigan, whom they're going to have to beat twice if they want to get into the College World Series Championship Series. So that's where we're at. Arkansas is our first team out. Michigan one win away from moving on to the finals. Games today, we have our second elimination game in progress. Louisville is battling Auburn. Auburn blew a three-run lead in the ninth inning. They got walked up by Mississippi State a couple of nights ago. Louisville fell to Vanderbilt 3-1. to It was a really good, hard-fought, well-played game on both sides. Vanderbilt and Mississippi State will play tonight. Winner will be in the same boat as Michigan. They'll be one win away from advancing to the championship series. And first pitch is set for 7 o'clock in that game. How about we take a look at the MLB scoreboard for this evening. Game's coming up tonight. The Rays visit the Yankees. Ryan Stanek opens. He takes on J.A. Happ at 7.05. Phillies and Nationals at 7.05. Jake Arrieta and Patrick Corbin. 7.05 for the Tigers and Pirates. Mitch Keller against Daniel Norris. 7.07, the Angels visit the Blue Jays. Tyler Skaggs and Marcus Stroman. 7.10, the Astros and Reds at Great American Ballpark. Justin Verlander is opposed by Anthony DeSclafani. 
720, the Mets visit the Braves. Jacob DeGrom and Julio Teheran. 805 start for the Indians and Rangers in Texas. Zach Plezik takes on Adrian Sampson. 805 start for the Cubs and White Sox at Wrigley. Ian Nova against Cole Hamels. 810 start for the Red Sox and Twins. David Price is opposed by Michael Pineda. 815 start for the Marlins and Cardinals. Jordan Yamamoto against Jack Flaherty. 940 Rockies and Diamondbacks in Arizona. Antonio Sanzatella takes on Merle Kelly. Then at 1007, the Orioles visit the Athletics. Gabriel Yanoa against Brett Anderson. 1010, the Giants visit the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw goes up against Sean Anderson. 1010 for the Royals and Mariners in Seattle. Homer Bailey and UC Kikuchi. Then at 1010, the Brewers visit the Padres. Brandon Woodruff takes on Logan Allen, making his Major League debut. That is a look at what's coming up tonight in Major League Baseball. Let's take a time out. When we come back, we're going to preview a feature story coming out here on ESPN-UP this week. Ryan O'Reilly visited Marquette three years ago, and now he's a Smythe Trophy winner. That's coming up next in the Sports Pen at ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. And with our free mobile app, you can get it from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Well, three years ago, when Marquette was named Kraft Hockeyville, we received a visit from Ryan O'Reilly. Fast forward, O'Reilly's a Stanley Cup champion and a Consmite Trophy winner. O'Reilly spoke to the students at Bothwell Middle School when he was up here. I'm joined by their principal, Dan Gannon. Dan, it must have been amazing, a really an amazing experience to have NHLers up here. The words that O'Reilly said had to be impactful, especially when you see what he's accomplished since. They really were, and we also had the kids from Superior Hills come over, so we had over a 1,000 students in the gym. And uh, so we had Ryan, and we also had uh, Jeff Skinner from the time from the Carolina Hurricanes. And so we had the two of them, and uh, very classy gentlemen, the both of them. And, and they both talked to the students, but then they interacted. We played a little bit of a game. Um, it was funny, the difference between the two, uh, you know, besides size, because Skinner is a little bit smaller, <laughs> um, you know, there's just a difference in the maturity. Ryan O'Reilly was he's just a, a little bit more mature, you know, in his talking and his spoke a little bit more directly to the kids, and um, he's just more focused. Dan, what was your favorite part of the message that O'Reilly and Skinner left with you? They both talked about setting goals and working towards the goals, not, not just setting them. You can set all the goals you want, but if you don't have a plan to work towards them, uh, they're not going to get anywhere. And that was one that Ryan really hit on. Uh, Jeff Skinner talked about goals, but Ryan really talked about how you just can't set the goals. You have to set the goals and then come up with a plan on how to get there. And then he also went on to talk about the family support that he had when he was growing up and how important that was and how he wouldn't be where he is at this that point in his career without his family. Tell me about the legacy, the impression that you've seen, how those values have been implemented at Bothwell. Well, you know, we, we use goal setting quite a bit, so that gives us an example, and it gives the kids a real-life person that that was here and for them to talk about, and also the teachers, because the teachers can carry it on for three, four, five years after the gentlemen are, are gone and, and moved on to something else. But I, you know, I, I talk to the hockey players that are here at the school, and, and even this year talking to them and, and the Wee AA team and the Bantam AA team, and we have a lot of their players, did very well this year. Both of them won the states, and uh, we, we talked quite a bit about that. And, and their coaches talked about the goal setting. And, of course, they all were cheering for uh, St. Louis. I was a little bit more of a, a Boston fan, so that was a little fun. That We had a little competition going back and forth. But part of it was, was because it, Ryan O'Reilly was there i got to ask, what makes you a Boston fan? You know what? <laughs> I'm a Detroit fan in everything, and Boston's my second. It, growing up, I, uh, it, you know, I watched a lot of baseball, and I just always watched the Red Sox. When I, whenever I could, I listened to them on the radio. In New England, you know, with Tom Brady, I'm a Michigan fan, so, you know, I cheer for Brady. Um, and then... When I was growing up, it was the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird era. 
and you know they they had all those championships. Of course, Larry Bird and Boston against the Pistons, of course, were always good good games. Also, so they were just my go-to team when Detroit was out of it. I I can't really tell you why. You know, I I, just, I think I like the blue collar <laughs> work ethic in Boston. How special was it for you and the students being able to see Ryan accomplish what he did in these playoffs? You know, it it gave us a connection to to the playoffs and, and to the Stanley Cup that I don't think would have been there. You know, you know, you're not going to cheer for St. Louis necessarily unless you have a connection. You know, a lot of the kids and, and adults that I know, their favorite teams are Detroit or Chicago, Toronto sometimes, or one of the Canadian teams. But this gave a connection to St. Louis, and it gave you somebody to fo- to follow, and then just to see him do so well. You know, as the cup went on. How cool was it to hear the message that he left you, talking about the values and what have you, and inspiring your kids, and then to see him actually live it out, put those values to work, and accomplish what he did? Yeah, it it was really nice to see, because what he spoke of, he did. And it it just wasn't, he just wasn't talking to the kids, because he had to be here to talk. He really had a genuine message, and like I said, there was a focus to him that, that I could tell, and I think the kids could tell, too. You know, this was a driven gentleman, and he wanted to get to a certain point in his career. And you could see him working towards that. And if you followed him, and I did, you being a hockey fan, I, I followed both of them after that. And just to see Ryan just, you know, growing every year. And, of course, his beard is much better now than it was <laughs> back when he was here. <laughs> but... It, uh, it it was nice, and and when he talked about family support, you know what that meant. That was a strong message too, you know, because in any sports, you know, or extracurricular activities, families have to be a major part of it. Well, O'Reilly came to you as a saber. Jeff Skinner has since made his way to Buffalo. Do you follow his career as well? I have, um, not as close. You know, Buffalo not being a playoff team for the past few years. Um, but, yeah, I, I have been following that. I, I check in every now and then to see how both of them were doing. Skinner was really skilled, you know, when, when I watched them play. Yeah, O'Reilly's, at least when he was younger three years ago, wasn't as flashy. Um, just he was more solid. Talking with Dan Gannon, the principal at Bothwell Middle School here in Marquette. Dan, tell me about some of the other events and activities that took place when Hockeyville occurred. Uh, what we did is they came in and they did a quick uh, question and answer with the kids, introduced themselves, and then they gave that talk about uh, the goal setting and a little bit about their backgrounds at growing up. And then we, we had a, a scrimmage. We took the floor hockey nets out and the sticks, and and they they actually went out against each other, and, and we just picked kids out of the crowd to play so they can interact with them. And then they played goalie for a little bit, the both of them. We had a shootout where they were both in net, uh, so the kids shooting and they shot on each other. I think my favorite part, and, and they got annoyed with me, and if I remember right, Rylan O'Reilly rolled his eyes. You know how when you drop the puck, when you have two centermen, and the referee kicks them out if they're not in the their appropriate position? Mm-hmm. I faked a puck drop, <laughs> and then I kicked them both out. <laughs> and, and I got the eye roll. <laughs> but the kids got a good kick out of that, they, and they were just very friendly. Well, the town just had to be going crazy when Hockeyville occurred. Tell me about that experience, how it made you feel, seeing the community all come together. You know, it hockey and Marquette for a little while has, has been on the decline. The numbers and, and the accomplishments. And it, my wife and I were fortunate enough to get tickets to go watch the game that night. And just to see Lakeview Arena, you know, at capacity again, you know, it, that was special. And seeing the amount of kids that are there. You know, in the in the parade, I went to the parade and I saw the number of kids. And it, it's it wasn't just the kids who played hockey, it, it, kids of, of all sorts, no matter what they did. It just brought a, a little something, an extra sparkle into the community. Dan Gannon is the principal at Bothwell Middle School, reminiscing about Hockeyville 2016. Ryan O'Reilly's journey from speaking at Bothwell 
to winning the Smythe Trophy. Dan, appreciate you taking the time. All the best going forward. All right. Thank you. Well, I tell you what, a few more things to go over before we sign off and call it a day. This I need to bring to your attention, just in case, because I had forgotten, I was thankful somebody reminded me, and now I can pass it on. Stop by Taco Bell today, go to your nearest Taco Bell from 2 to 6, that's Eastern Time, to get your free Doritos Locos Taco. My favorite, nacho cheese, only meat and cheese. Remember, because the Warriors stole a game on the road, stole an NBA Finals game on the road, that was game two, you were able to steal a free taco. Go to your nearest Taco Bell. I think I'm going to be heading there myself once I'm out of here. This just came up recently as well, and I wish this was up there for my update. I wish I could end it on this. Lenny Dykstra. The saga never ends. There's always something going on with Lenny Dykstra, and there's always a story to be able to tell with him. Former MLB star, he certainly declined since then. He was filmed dumpster diving for nine hours with a friend outside of Jersey Mike's. His friend is a tag team wrestler, and his nickname is Sprinkles the Clown. He had accidentally thrown away his dentures. They were specifically made of bone marrow and valued at $80,000. So there is video, if you're interested, Lenny Dykstra dumpster diving, nine hours crawling around in a Jersey Mike's dumpster looking for his $80,000 dentures. You can't make this up. This is only something you could get from Lenny Dykstra. There are a handful of personalities that could give you content like that. Here's another one of them. O.J. Simpson. I mentioned yesterday he joined Twitter over the weekend. We have an O.J. tweet alert. He's talking a little fantasy football now. His tweet says, Taking an early look at fantasy football. At Patrick Mahomes was my clear number one. But with at Cheetah, which is Tyreek Hill, status still up in the air, I am debating. At Baker Mayfield or at TG3? What do you think? Am I missing someone? First of all, I would love to get OJ's thoughts on Tariq Hill. Or maybe not. Maybe I don't want those. Either way, OJ is taking to Twitter to learn what we think he should do. Who should he take with his first pick in his fantasy football draft? Should he take Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, or Todd Gurley? For me, there is a clear choice. I love Patrick Mahomes. He was so much fun last year. So much fun to watch. I want him to do it again. I hope I'm wrong but I think he's going to have a sophomore slump. A couple major weapons taken away from him, regardless of Tariq Hill. He's one guy, but it's going to be a whole different look in that offense. The good news is he's got a coach that has molded his offense depending on what type of team he has. That's Andy Reid's M.O. throughout his career. Andy Reid does not have one offense he brings to the table, but he generates an offense that is compatible with his team's personnel. So that gives me hope that Patrick Mahomes will continue to light it up, but I'm going with Baker Mayfield. I, if I had the choice, I would take Baker Mayfield with my top overall pick. You have a revamp Browns offense. Even without a bunch of weapons last year, Baker still shined. You have Odell Beckham Jr. there for him now. Jarvis Landry. David Njoku could take a step forward. For me, Baker is the clear choice. Todd Gurley? That's a huge risk. I don't know what he's going to look like in the future. It was announced yesterday that there is an arthritic component to his knee. Tore his ACL in college, now he's at the five-year mark. He certainly wasn't the same back in the postseason last year. C.J. Anderson was a Rams top back in their run to the Super Bowl. So if O.J.'s listening, you might get the mother load with Patrick Mahomes. I'm worried he's going to have a sophomore slump, that he lost too many of his weapons. I don't know what we're going to get out of Todd Gurley. His best days in the NFL may very well be behind him, but I know that Baker is going to perform this year. I know that Baker is going to shine. If you're listening, OJ, you want Baker. I tell you what, that is it for us. We are out of time. As always, appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. I'll be back on tomorrow, same time and place. John Michael Hofling from ABC10 will join me. Hope to have you join us as well. Signing off from the ESPN-UPWZAM studios, my name is Tanner Hoops. Here's Will Kane.